Messi. Oh. Oh. Messi! Hello and welcome back to Three at the Back. My name's Ben Henley Washford. I am joined by the lovely Luke Bosher. Hello, Ben. Hello. And the massive hypocrite that is Felix Parkin. Hello. What, what hypocrite? Please explain. Well, well, so you dug me out and have dug me out for many years for having three clubs. And I got dug out again in the blog, I like to see. But it's absolutely fair enough. Um... You now support AFC Telford, Liverpool, and Leeds United. No, no, I don't support Leeds United. <laughs> well, the way you tweet about Leeds United... I, I like their style of play. Oh, I think a bigger man would admit to his crimes. Like no, I'm just, I'm just a lovely, objective journalist, and I know good football when I see it. Absolutely not the case. But maybe, maybe we should start with, uh, with Liverpool versus Leeds. It's probably the most exciting game of the weekend. Um, what it, I, I didn't watch it live, I have to admit. I saw the highlights. There were quite a few highlights. Um, Felix, as these are you, your two clubs... <laughs> Might be worth you telling us a little bit more about what you uh, what you saw on the day. My one club, uh, Liverpool. Yeah, I, do you know what? I, I tweeted about it. I said the first forty-five minutes was everything that Premier League football should be: two attacking, confident, exciting teams going all out for the win. Defensive football w- was non-existent. We love to see it. Um, I think Liverpool will be upset that they weren't more defensively solid, but pleased that they got the win because, you know, as a lot, a couple of the players said afterwards, and Klopp as well, Leeds are going to cause teams a lot of problems. And if you don't play to the best of your ability and still beat them, then it's a job well done. Salah was brilliant, electric. He looks really sharp this year. I'd love to see him have another season like he had in his first year. Leeds, like I say, confident, exciting, good on the ball. Um, the, the key passes that they made really stood out to me. They weren't afraid to play those balls that hurt the opposition. And, yeah, it made for a great game. I think both managers will be happy at the end of it. And I think that's a running theme from the first weekend. I think that most teams will go away from the weekend not feeling too bad, even if even if they lost. There's a few teams that, you know, they played okay despite losing, and, and there's a lot of teams that clearly have a style of play and a, a, a confidence in what they're doing um, at the start of this season, which is exciting to see. I'm thinking about Brighton as well. Southampton, who lost to Palace, they didn't play too bad. Um, yeah, overall, like the Liverpool Leeds game, back to it. Great game. Exactly what the Premier League's all about. Hopefully, there's more to come. I, I kind of disagree. I don't. I don't think Klopp would be very happy with that performance. Um, I have to. I have to disagree with you there. I feel like it's a really. It poses a really interesting question. That game. I think as to whether did Liverpool play badly or did Leeds play so well that they made Liverpool play badly. And I, I was having this conversation with a with a Leeds fan, an actual Leeds fan, um, <laughs> friend of mine, and he. <clears throat> And he was he was like Leeds have this because t- I was like oh Liverpool it looked like Liverpool played shit. 
And he was like, Leeds do that to clubs. They've been doing that for the last two years. They make teams play badly. And it's, it's a very interesting. I always have. I always think about in games like this, especially big games between top six sides, as to whether did one team just play badly or did one team play so well it made the other team look bad. Um, and I think probably the the truth is somewhere in the middle. I mean, you know, Leeds scored with all of their shots on target. I think, um, but you know, when you're playing against the champions, you have to be very incisive. Um, and they played remarkably good football. I think you know Calvin Phillips. You know his ball to Jack Harrison for that goal. Um, Robin Cock, who didn't have a great game, but in the second half played a similar ball through to Jack Harrison. And I think he was offside or he fumbled the chance or something. But um, just that, that ability to get in behind. And it reminded me, actually, of the first game of the season last year when Liverpool played Norwich and they won 4-1. And, you know, it's a, that's a convincing victory against a promoted club. But Norwich created a handful of chances, loads of chances in that game. Um, and, and Liverpool were, were the scoreline, I think, flattered Liverpool to an extent that it could have been a 4-3-4 all um, and again I think I saw we saw Liverpool playing a very high line higher than they did for them the rest of the season and they won the league so it's, it's interesting I, I think maybe Klopp will revert back to a slightly lower line but um, it was very interesting to me I thought Joe Gomez and Trent Alexander-Arnold were particularly poor um, that right-hand side of Liverpool's defence um, was, was certainly there to be got at um, do you think you know, that's a problem Ben Felix? I, I, like I said, I haven't didn't watch the game live. I only managed to, to catch the highlights. But from from my perspective of the extended highlights that I watched, um, Liverpool just yeah, there's still a bit of rust on there. But you know, to to look rusty and score four goals, that's impressive in itself. And Leeds did give them a good run for their money. I thought you know the Van Dyke error. He probably only has that error. You know, he only does that once a season. So get it out of the way in a game that you're going to win. Probably a good thing to do. But yeah, there's definitely rust there. Um, and like you say, I, I don't think the Klopp will be happy about it. But there's something to be said for teams that play poorly and get a result. And I think that when you've got a player like... I've been saying this about Arsenal for a long time, is that we have one player that could get us out of trouble. For ages, it was it was Sanchez. Now it's Aubameyang. We have one player. And if they don't perform, we don't win. I think Liverpool have that in Salah they have it in Mane they have it in in sometimes Firmino can show up they have Van Dijk who can just be powerful they have they have star players that win you games all over the pitch and so when the team isn't performing it almost feels like they step up and and do the job that they need to I think from the Leeds perspective they'll be happy with that I mean obviously you're not very happy losing but to go and and, and play like they did and really put the champions to the sword even if you don't win is, is a hell of a result. I think the hot take from what Luke just said is that he thinks that uh, Leeds are going to do a Norwich. Um, so I'm <laughs> excited for Leeds to go down in last place. That was that was my words in my mouth. But I think words the, in the, my interesting, mouth. <laughs> the interesting distinction. It, it, I mean, Fee, you said that most teams that lost will be you know not feeling too bad. I think one team that won't be feeling great is Spurs. I mean, to lose like they did to to Everton, and it's interesting the distinction between Klopp's the way that Klopp played that game because it was expansive, because they went out to, to win the game, they got away with a 4-3. The problem that I've always... I, I quite like Mourinho. I quite like um, the way he has set up in a lot of games in the past and that defensive, we're not going to let you score. The issue is, if that goes wrong, to transition from we're going to be a solid couple of blocks to, OK, now we have to we have to go after the game, we have to chase it. It's so hard to do. And so when you are subpar... You, it's so much harder to win a game when you're subpar from a Mourinho perspective than an expansive Klopp perspective. So I do think that 
it Spurs will be an interesting one to watch this season because there has been so much said about it with the documentary with you know this being Mourinho's second year at the club that almost feels like there's a, a bit of added pressure and then a loss first day of the season probably isn't what they would have wanted to I don't know get that monkey off their back early doors that was my only sort of perspective on it I think I think for them it, it's almost a nightmare start and I think that the buck for that nightmare start uh, stops at Mourinho's door because at half time nil nil it was a very interesting game it was the sort of game that I quite like to watch and not many other people do because a lot of people call it boring but I'd call it I'd call it intriguing um, cagey yeah and, and, and I didn't think Spurs were I mean Everton had the best chance and it came from a Spurs mistake and you know that's not ideal but as a total performance in the first half I thought there were a lot of positive signs I liked the transitions between the front four I thought they were quick they made two chances that way uh, Matt Doherty was, was really you know I, I thought he made a massive difference on that right hand side with the way that he took the ball and, and drove them forward on that side but then at half time Mourinho makes the change to take off Deli Ali and bring off bring on um, Musa Sissoko and, and Deli Ali you know it wasn't a vintage performance by any means but I thought that as a four, Ali, Lucas, Son and Kane looked somewhat threatening. I felt like there was going to be a, a big chance for them at some point, the way that they were playing. But he took off Ali, brings on Sissoko, it's more cagey. Um, Everton really took control in that second half. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can offer this season because they did look very good. James mm, Rodriguez looked quietly very good on his debut. He was absolute sauce. That left foot of his... It looks like liquid. It's like Morton yeah. Gamp's pedestal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I said I said about Everton last season. You know, when everyone was sort of touting to have a, have a have a bigger year, I sort of asked Felix the question. You know, what's the signing they've made that takes them to the next level? Because last year they bought players like Iwobi. They bought players that sort of Moyes Keane. Like there was nothing there that said, okay, this is going to break us into the top six. Um, James Rodriguez is is that he's a star caliber. He's had a couple of years in the wilderness because of of one reason and another, um, and he's had a difficult a difficult sort of time with with managers and systems that have been played. But if that can come off as alongside players like Allen and and Decore, I mean, it could be a, it could be a big year for Everton. And when you're looking at Spurs, you know it's it's not the year you want to slip up as a, as a big six team with Leicester's and, and Everton's and Wolves, you know banging down the door no in, interestingly on that ben you um you famously hate uh everton's manager carlo ancelotti you think he's finished yeah and felix him. you think yeah, the think top six done. is set in stone for this year so um <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll be interesting to see so i think for my money in that game actually i thought i thought decore um loki was was more of a difference maker than um than hammers yeah, I'm. Mean, he's a good player. I he, obviously having watched him at Watford a lot. You know, last season compared to the season before that was like two different players. Like he did not carry his weight at all last season, and you started to think this is a player that should be coming into his prime. I think he's what twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, like late twenties. He should be coming into his prime now. This is which Bernie's playing his best football, and he definitely wasn't last year. And I said that you know that those performances that he put in were part of the a big part of the reason that the Watford were down where they were. If he can rediscover his form as a player, he's an excellent player. Physically, technically, I mean, everything you sort of want in a central midfielder. That stamina to last 90 minutes at, at full throttle and the ability to bang one from 30 yards or ping a pass. He's got everything you sort of want 
in that position. So yeah, Everton are ones to watch, even if they do have a manager that is finishing the game and you know should just retire. <laughs> I think the key thing for Spurs is not to panic because I do think that a lot of points are going to be dropped this year because there's quality throughout the league and you know Mourinho, uh, previous years would tell us he is the sort of manager to panic but I think the key thing would be not to because like I say I think down to 10th 11th place there's real real quality and also like I said teams that have a good idea and a good confidence in what they're trying to do so Everton is maybe just one of those teams out of out of 10 11 that are going to be able to give anyone a game a proper game yeah, it's it's it, you never want to read too much into the first game of the season, uh, but that's also the only reason that we do these things. So we have to read too much into everything. Just like I'm going to read too much into uh, Arsenal and Chelsea. Obviously, both getting off to a good start. Um, I thought Arsenal. It made me very happy to watch them playing like that, uh, scoring goals. I mean, it's Fulham, so I'm not going to say too much about it. I'll, in fact, I'll move quickly on because the only thing that I really liked about it was Holding turning into prime Henri for about three three seconds in the middle of the match, which you love to see. I think that's unfair, mate. I, I, I thought you were ruthless and really good. And I, I was really... I thought Fulham weren't bad, especially for the first 20, 20, 25 minutes. I saw things from Fulham we didn't really see from them the year before when they came up. Um, but then you, you absolutely punished them for... For any mistake, and I know, yeah, I thought you were good, really good. I do, yeah. I I don't want to dwell because obviously it is it is a, a team that I think all of us have to go down this season. But it was nice to see you know William getting on the on the assists uh, first game of the season, and it's always nice for a defender to come and score a goal on his debut and keep a clean sheet. Gabriel, he looks like a, a good player. Obviously, he's been hyped. I haven't seen much of him, so I'm not going to say too much. And Aubameyang, that team goal that you have, I mean, it's 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 nice to see. Uh, and we'll come on to Aubameyang a little bit later on. But on the other side of things, for Chelsea, obviously a great win, 3-1. You never take away too many negatives from that. But the same problem that keeps coming up in Kepa probably being responsible for Brighton's equaliser. And Luke, I mean, I've, I, I will keep bashing this nail into the table. But I think he's conceded eight of his last 13 shots Mate, Mendy, on target. Mendy soon comes. Right, Mendy soon come. But is he going to be the starting goalkeeper? Oh, definitely. Okay, I just it's mate, it's, it's, mate. It's, Trent it's... Trent will be whipping his corners in at the weekend, and six foot six Edward Mendy. Have you seen the size of his arms? Whose arms whose arms are as long as me? Yeah, he's just going to be plucking them out of the air. It'll be easy. He's a big boy. He's got Van Dijk won't have a sniff. Um, but yeah, I mean, performance wise. Performance-wise from Chelsea, it was almost the opposite to some of our performances last year, just quick, just quickly to round this off, in that we didn't create loads of chances, but we, we ended up scoring three goals. Uh, whereas last year, we were creating quite a lot and having a lot of the ball, but we weren't really, we didn't, we weren't incisive enough. Um, and obviously, you know, Werner didn't get himself on the score sheet, but, um, you know, his pace proved to be, proved to be decisive. Yeah, I mean, could have, could have easily scored has he, had he not been taken out by uh, Matt Ryan and I think it was quite a nice it was sort of knee to knee and that was probably why he wasn't as uh, yeah. agile and quick later on in the game because he, I listened to his post-match interview and he was sort of saying the muscle got a bit hard and a bit it was restricting his, his, his movement so hopefully that's a, a sign of good things to come because he's an electric player and I mean we, we haven't even mentioned the fact that Reese James was just like when his team was 1-1 decided to absolutely 
one into the top corner from about what 25 uh, 30 yards yeah it's just it's just a just it's just reese james things mate it's, you just oh, get used to it i got a lot of time for him um but no like you say a good performance i think most teams won't be unhappy with their performances this week but there will be a few heads that will be ticking along and have a have a big weekend ahead of them and uh, we'll have to react to that when it happens <laughs> Now we'll uh, stick with Spurs as we move into the next segment of the show because the big transfer news uh, does concern Spurs. It looks as though Regulon, the Spanish uh, left-back who spent the season on loan with Sevilla last season and was renowned as being a tasty little prospect, um, he's a Real Madrid player and it looks like Spurs are going to get him for around £27.6 million but there will be a buyback clause and a preemption clause in the deal. Uh, if you don't know what it means, it basically means that whenever Spurs, I think it's two years after into his contract, if he's doing really well, Real Madrid can have him back if they want him. So it's like a convoluted two-year loan deal. But, you know, he gets to sort of, he is a Tottenham player, he's going to play there. He's a really good player. Good bit of business? Um... Yeah, I think so. Um, it's interesting because a lot of things have been said, especially from the documentary, about Mourinho playing a very lopsided back four with one fullback pushing high and that tended to be Sergio Aurier and now Matt Doherty and then Ben Davis very much um, forming more of a back three and being very solid. And we've seen in back threes that Tottenham have played, Ben Davis has popped up as a left-sided centre-back very occasionally. Uh, Sergio Reguilón is not that. Um, he's the antithesis of a defensive fullback. Um, so it would be two very attack-minded fullbacks um, if they play Doherty and um, and Reggie on at the same time, which would which would be interesting, and maybe that's what Mourinho wants. Uh, maybe he's looked at it and thought, you know, I need more penetration down the left-hand side, which I think kind of makes sense because Spurs don't have a naturally left-footed left winger um, if you ignore Ryan Sessegnon um, in their team. So I, th- I think width-wise on the left-hand side, whether you're playing Son Bergvine. Lucas or even Ali, you've got four players there that want to come inside quite a lot. Um, and I think only focusing your attacks down one hand side and just basically being like, give it to Doherty um, doesn't really make sense. So it, it'll be good for them to have um, have an option there. But I think they already kind of have a ready. Well, actually, no, I disagree that Ryan Sessegnon's best position is left back. So I think that's fine. He's definitely a left back. Um, but he's not. He's not. Ben. He definitely, he's is. not. Having watched him, his, his teammates have literally said he could be a striker. Having watched him, his best position when playing for Fulham was as a left forward slash striker. No, his best position while playing for Fulham. Well, was at the moment he's left back. Left back in the changing Whey! rooms. Give one, give one, Fee. Um, he's he's got the ability to be. I look. It's a tough one. Where do you put? You have so many very talented players that could play as fullbacks or wingers look at the likes of Reese James or Trent Alexander-Arnold um Saka Maitland-Niles I think that Spurs could have one of the best ball playing fullbacks in the Premier League if they spent a little bit of time on on Sessegnon but maybe Sessegnon wants to play further forward um it doesn't seem like he's very happy there from what I've heard uh from both people that I know and people and what's being reported in the media is that Sessegnon wants out of that club, whether it's on loan, whether it's uh, a sale. I think that he signed for Pochettino and now feels like 
he's not wanted there, which is is fair enough. I wouldn't. I don't think you'd want to be at a club that that doesn't see you as uh, at least progressing into the first team in the immediate future. And I think that he thought he was going to be progressing into that first team, and it's clear that he isn't. He has. He's going to have to spend another year out on loan if he wants to come back to this. So it's it's a tough one for him. Um, another player that clearly isn't wanted by his club. Big Gareth Bale. Looks like he could be coming back to Tottenham Hotspur. Um, I like I like this, right? Because this apparently, uh, what I'm reading from Fabrizio Romano on Twitter is that Levy just, while they were negotiating Regulon, was like, what about Gareth Bale? Do you want him? Can we have him as well? <laughs> like in the middle of negotiations. And I've got a lot of time for that. I also like that uh, his Bale's, man, uh, Bale's agent, Barnett, has just told the BBC mm. that Bale loves Spurs and it's where he wants to yeah. be. Like there's no pretense there this rumor comes up what it must be every single season for the last two years but it feels like this year might happen it's the archetypal fairy tale story isn't it football fairy tale story spurs coming back uh, sorry spurs coming back to bail Bale coming back to spurs um i think spurs fans would be kidding themselves if they think they're getting the player that they sold to real madrid because clearly bail is not that player anymore um certainly hasn't quite got that electric pace um that he once had but nevertheless he's got quality Mourinho loves big personalities he loves big players he loves players that have been there done it and he wants to get that out of them again I just think it makes sense it may, if, if Spurs can do it it makes definitely. sense to get that <coughs> definitely I, I think there's there's not a club in the Premier League that would turn down Gareth Bale. Um, I think at this point, either as either as a squad player or first team player, I think Bale, Bale, Kane, Son as a front three is is potentially pretty devastating. Um, and yeah, he might not be as electric, and he's a little bit more injury prone, and he's the wrong side of thirty. But who cares? He's a really good player, capable of very good performances. Um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting if the move does happen when he makes his Spurs, you know, second debut. Because in the last ten games of the La Liga season, Bale featured once. He played seventy-one minutes in one of the games, um, and then was an unused sub for nine for eight games, and then didn't make the squad for the final game of the season. Um, I think he has been training, and he obviously played for Wales um, in the Nations League. But Spurs need, especially with Spurs' fixture list coming up, you know, the back end of September and the beginning of on the whole month of October, basically, they need as many bodies as they can get. Um, so having a fit, well, you know, fit Gareth Bale um, could be crucial to them. And you just love to see big players in the Premier League. You do, you do. It's it's it's, just, it's always been a shame as well because Gareth, he, you know, he's, he needs football. You, when he was on Wales duty, you could see having to be substituted in the 45th minute in a planned substitution. Like that's so depressing to watch a player of Gareth Bale's stature, especially like in world football and not just for Wales. You shouldn't have your captain having to be subbed off in the 45th minute because he lacks game fitness. I mean, he's... I know you say he's, he's the wrong side of, of, of 30, but he's still, that's his prime years. Sort of 28 to 33 should be when a player is at the top of their powers. And we've seen players, uh, you know, wingers especially, players like Ribéry, Robben, obviously Ronaldo, obviously Messi, like really high-class wingers can go deep into the 30s before their class starts to deteriorate. Um, the mad thing is that even if 
Spurs can get Real Madrid to pay half his wages, which is possible because it's better to pay 13 million in wages for a player that's not going to play for you than 26 million in wages for a player that's not going to play for you. Um, 13 million in wages is still a lot of money. Like that's still 250,000 pounds a week. Like that is, that's huge. Um, but if there's a man, if, if there is a man who's going to get as good a deal as possible out of this situation, it is that. Yeah. Man. What we can know is that there will be a good deal or there will be no deal because that is Levy's. That is Levy's uh, mo. Um, but yeah, I think we're all in agreement that we'd like to see Gareth back. I just think the final point with Bale is obviously we've seen what he's done with Wales. He, he doesn't. He's not the type of player to throw his toys out the pram if he's at in a team that isn't quite his standard of mm. of playing and it spurs do have a lot of players that are his standard but a few that aren't but that's not going to phase gareth bale he, he's he's still going to play you know he's, he's almost going to play better i think he plays better for wales than he does for real madrid in a lot of ways oh yeah um he wants to be there most importantly uh he, he likes wales and he likes golf um and then he likes madrid in that order um as the hourglass ticks on in this show time to talk about another hourglass <laughs> eh that's what they pay the big bucks for <laughs> uh bosh i know that you watched the uh Aubameyang announcement what did you make this is my it? job I, I i i get paid to do that um, <laughs> <laughs> i was paid there were four there were four people out of seven in the office i was in who were watching the um an hourglass ticked down in a in a in an Arsenal changing room for a contract announcement uh, that we all knew that had been coming for about a week. Yeah, uh, yeah, we were still there. Um, just hate Arsenal Football Club, really. Um, I mean, especially quite, quite frankly, Twitter. especially their their social media. But they quite they they do they yeah. love that though. That's their thing. Yeah, they love yeah. they love like getting under other fans' skin, and so fair play. It was yeah. a pointlessly dramatic announcement. To something that everyone knew was happening. They announced the away kit in like a ridiculous Game of Thrones style video as well. I just, our Twitter seemed to want to wind up everyone. Mm. I have, I have got a bit of time for that. I mean, uh, conver- I conversely though, I thought Jack Grealish's announcement um, was was fine. You know, Villa just a little tweet, quick message from our captain, Grealish another five years, and it was done. Like over, as Grealish sort of said in his post match against Burton Albion. Um, who you know he played very well against, and you know Ergo is is a is a top six player immediately um, for destroying Burton Albion. <laughs> um, but I would like to mention and have it on record that the best announcement of the summer and maybe all time has to be Ricardo Quaresma. Oh yes, have you seen this, V? Uh, yeah, I did. I can't. I, I know I saw it, but I can't remember exactly. It features it features the Marauders map from Harry Potter. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That, yeah, I thought, yeah, great. But, I mean, it's good oh, news. Man. On if a serious haven't... note, it's good news for Arsenal. It's good news for Aston Villa. Two players, Grealish more than Aubameyang, that have been, le- that have been uh, rumoured to leave. Um, Aubameyang, bit, I mean, uh, you know, the, the cynic in me says he's 31, right? 31? He is 31. Three-year yeah. contract, 250 grand a week, probably, you know, that's 13 mil a year. Um, yeah, that's bit of a idea. Bit of a risk, especially for a player that, you know, it, uh, being very, very cynical relies so heavily on pace. Yeah, I mean, don't quote me wrong. He's technically very good, and his movement is fantastic. But his pace is is a big, big attribute. There is, um, there is a part of me that's just like, that's yeah, that's a lot of money, and it makes me nervous of like the Urzil 
Bale, De Gea, Ramsey, Sanchez curse of like players that were that ran down their contract and then got the big bucks. And since they got the big bucks, their performances have dipped. And it is a I just, weird I just think as, as, Arsenal, as Arsenal captain, though, I, I, mm. just everything about Aubameyang tells me that he loves playing for Arsenal. I think there is a big part of that. And he, he you know, he says in his announcement video that the, the dream for him has always been to captain club and country like his dad did. Um, and I think that he cares. He loves Arsenal. He loves the family feel of it. And he loves the fact that he is loved. And I think that he's had a lot of times in his career where he's been not mistreated but there have been falling outs with him and the fan base or him and the club and I think that he's finally found somewhere where he is number one he is the one that he's the fan favorite he's the captain and he seems happy and settled in North London which is it's a weird feeling to have a player that's happy and settled at Arsenal because that (laughs) hasn't been the case with like all of our talent for years. I mean, there was a, a tweet that went out that said Aubameyang is going to be the first legend of the Emirates Stadium era. And it's sort of right because all of our talent since then has sort of either left the club before they really had the success they wanted or have left in really un, like the Sanchez's of the world, like left mm. as a villain. So it, it is nice. Um, it is. It is nice, but there is. And another... Arsenal had to do it. Yeah. No. It was Arsenal absolutely had. I mean, you you mentioned you're nervous about the fee and the wage, and I would be. But in order to 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 get where you want to be, if Aubameyang in three years can propel you to being a top four club, and then leave with his head held high, I think he goes down as an Arsenal legend for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely, um, definitely. You know, if he if he nets twenty goals a season, if he gets like you know twenty twenty fifteen or something in his next three seasons is cemented yeah for sure um, and you had to do it yeah I mean if because you, you can't buy a player of like, no, his quality no, in this in this market no you absolutely can't and you, you you also you buy a player that's up there and they it takes a year to settle and then it takes a year of, so it's just it's it's really smart business Um, and even if it is a lot of money it is what it is I think that the, the Villa one is interesting because is that Villa making sure they get some money for Grealish when he does eventually go in a transfer or is that just Grealish saying this is where I'm going to be and how does that impact his chances of getting into an England team where it's quite clear that Southgate wants players that are playing or have played European competitions like where does that leave Grealish well I feel like you can't do that you can't do that anymore because A Grealish is in the squad and B Calvin Phillips got picked despite not playing a single minute of Premier League football so I think unless Southgate wants to expose himself further is a massive hypocrite and if Grealish has another season similar, where his chance creation numbers are second only to De Bruyne, which they could be, as he's Villa's main man, versus going to United and maybe only playing twenty-five games, twenty games, um, I feel like it. I feel like it makes sense because if if and when Villa go down, and I hope that they do, <laughs> um, Grealish can they can still you know Villa won't be able to get the eighty mil that they've demanded this summer, but they'll be able to get actually probably maybe half that. Um, if they're in the championship. I think Villa are a weird one because we, me and we both had them to go down. Um, but they've just signed Emmy Martinez from Arsenal for 60 million, which seems like a good bit of business for both sides. 
He's had ten. He's had ten good games in a ten-year career. I know, but it it seems like a good. You know, it's it's a low price. They've also got Tom Heaton when he comes back from injury. Like that's a, they've. Well, you can't play two goalkeepers. No, ben. that's not but fair. It's not allowed. We all know that their lack of stability at the goalkeeper position cost them last season with Pepe Reina coming in, and and even the the go- that if they had conceded that goal against Sheffield United, it would have been because of a goalkeeper error, and it would have sent them down to the championship. So it's good to nail down a position they've also brought in cash who is a good player they've also brought in ollie watkins who is a good player they look like they might get bertrand traore who's performed in france are are they making a late charge to have a decent squad i mean they might i mean to be fair we made those predictions before they'd made signings um and if they stay up that'll be what i say um <laughs> i think for me for me <laughs> for me if i look string, at villa if, if i look at villa right last season for me their problem was that they signed quite a few players, but they, the only experienced Premier League player that they signed was Tom Heaton, mm. and he got injured yeah. very quickly. And I think as a newly promoted club, a huge thing is getting Premier League experienced players in. And, you know, West Brom kind of have it because half their squad played in the Premier League before. Fulham have a few that have played in the Premier the squad's League squad's basically the same uh, as when they got they relegated. Haven't, they yeah. haven't signed enough. Leeds have Bielsa, so I think they'll be fine. But Villa then signed two championship players. Mm. They signed Ollie Watkins and they signed Matty Cash. And yeah, they're young-ish. I think Watkins is 23, Cash is 24, something like that. I might be I might be horrifically wrong there. But I just and then Bertrand Traore, who you know was at Chelsea, but you know he's only made a handful of appearances. In but the I always thought he was quite good. He scored, when he... Four, he scored one. He scored one league and goal last year for Leon. Who yeah, all right, they had a pretty terrible league and season. He scored one league and goal in about twenty five games. Got three in the Europa League, mm. I think. Four goals in thirty two, I think, in all comps to him last season from a, a winger forward is not convincing. I would have actually liked them to I'm sign. Not, I'm still not sure. I would have liked them to sign Mio Rashika from uh, from the Bundesliga because he is a seriously good player. But um, we don't want to get too bogged down. Is there any other transfers that you've spotted through the week, Fee, or anything you'd like to to bring up before we move on? Um, no, not really. <laughs> a quick question, Fee. Do you think Liverpool need Thiago? No. <laughs> do you think you Do you think you need to sign someone? Uh... I think the word that the word need is is what Shakiri not in the squad at the weekend. Yeah, but Do you think you need someone there? Um, need need is not the right word. Would I like someone there? Probably. I'd rather have someone than not have someone. But need is a very strong word because need implies that you'd be missing something if you didn't get them. The the interesting one is that obviously Barcelona want Genie. Oh no, no Barcelona don't want Genie. Yeah, Ronald, Ronald Koeman, big Ronald Cuckoo wants, wants, uh, <laughs> wants, but Barcelona can't sign anyone until they sit, like there's La Liga rules that say that they have to have a certain squad size, so they can't sign anyone until they've sold certain players. You know, they have to get they have to offload players like Suarez and and others in the squad before they can sign Depay and and, and Genie Wijnaldum. So if if Liverpool don't lose Genie Wijnaldum, do they need to sign Thiago? Well, this is this is okay. This is what I would say would be good for Liverpool. We sign Thiago and don't lose any of, your, of our other midfielders. So we add we add to the, to what we've got. We give the, the squad something different, a ball-playing um, CM. Um, if we get Thiago and get rid of Wijnaldum, I don't think that's good. I, I just don't see that as good business. Thiago's an unbelievably talented footballer, don't get me wrong, but 
what Ginny offers the, the side with his physicality, the way that he allows us to play because of the large amount of space that he um, operates in. Same with Henderson. Like these players, they're not fashionable players, but and, and a lot I see a lot of Liverpool fans like, oh yeah, let's get rid of one Adam, get Thiago, and it's like. I understand why you feel that way, but in reality, what to players like Ryan Adam and Henderson give to Liverpool is is something that is so hard to get in terms of, like I say, the space that they operate in, the balls they win, the way that they they just do their their job without with no fuss, get rid of the ball quickly. Um, it, it means that Salamone, Firmino can do what they do with a lot more ease Thiago will want a bit more time on the ball maybe he'll be more effective against smaller teams but in big games I, I want Henderson and I want Wijnaldum and if we got rid of Wijnaldum and got in Thiago I'm not sure how happy I'd be about that Right, it's that time again we haven't done this for a few weeks I'm almost out of practice but we love to uh, finish off the show by putting together an 11 based on a theme for the week. And as the season is just getting underway, it only seems right that we do our 11 of players that we are backing to have a big season in 2021. Uh, um, what formations have we all gone for to start off? Always a good one to... 4-3-3. Nice. 4-3-3. Felix. Yes, total football for everyone. We love to see it. Uh, we'll start off with the goalkeepers, as it's only sensible. Um, and mine has changed during during the, the morning. I did it last night, and it's changed this morning because uh, with the news that Emi Martinez is joining uh, Villa, I'm going to back the boy uh, to have a, a big season there. I think he's, his career has been so difficult for him, um, trying to earn that opportunity. And at the end of last season, he took it with both hands. We'll see how the anxiety we might not see how the anxiety of a crowd affects him but if we do get crowds back in we'll see how the anxiety of a, of a crowd affects him because we haven't really seen that yet but obviously he was a fantastic part of of, of Arsenal last season a big part of why we won the, the FA Cup so I'm back in the boy Emmy Martinez to have a big year for Villa yeah I've nice. gone for the same I've gone for Emmy Martinez as well and the issue for me with keepers in the league is that the keepers are either very established and therefore you know, how big a season can they have? Or they're really mm. bad. And I'm thinking about yeah. Aaron Ramsdale. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, Rammers, Rammers played well, actually. Despite, really bad um, is not despite, fair. Despite their performance, I thought Rammers did all right. Well, I'm not sure that he, he's the level of Dean Henderson. He's 22, mate. <laughs> have a word. He's the same age as us. Look, he's far better at football than me. And that he is, won't even listen to this, so it doesn't matter. That is true. That's <laughs> twice your height as well. Luke, who have you gone for in goal? Um, I, I thought I've gone rogue, mate. I thought you'd go for Emmy Martinez. Um, and I've gone for a young Frenchman uh, <laughs> by the name of Ilan Melier. Um, right. I think. Uh, did you think I was going to say Mendy? Well, there was a part of me that thought you were going to say a goalkeeper that's not in the league yet. But you know, he's set, I believe he plays for Senegal, despite being okay. um, French of birth. Uh, but mm. I'm going to go for Melier, um, who I believe is the youngest first-choice keeper in the league at present. He's only 20. Um, that is young. I think he's quite. I think he's quite good. Okay. I, I like what I've seen from him. I feel like his stock could rise 
significantly this season. What do you reckon? Chelsea paying 30, sort of 30, ah, 40 million for him in a year's time? Or? Go on then. <laughs> no, um, no, I just I just like him. I think he, he could do with putting on a little bit of muscle, I think, um, mm. as with a lot of young keepers. But yeah, I like him. As could we all. Uh, we could all do with putting on a bit more muscle. Do you want to keep us going with your back four? Yes, back four. Um, it's not it's not entirely based off one performance, but I think Reese James is going to have a stellar year. I think it was very interesting, the selection, uh, leaving Azpilicueta on the bench, um, Reese James getting the starting berth. I think there's no reason other than Reese James' first choice right back this year um, to do that for Frank, um, which you love to see. I think his crossing is second only to Trent Alexander-Arnold. The way he can just, just cr- he crosses the ball without, you know, from a standing start almost, he really gets his foot under it. And he's got fantastic, he's got physically as well, um, he's fantastic and he's very hard to get off the ball when he's shielding it um, or blocking players and I just love what he offers um, it takes our corners as well much like Trent from the, take, take corners from the left hand side as a right back I think that's when you know your delivery's on point um, I've gone for Ben White again um, I think big season last year in the championship I think playing under Potter right hand side of a back three I think he really could excel I mean maybe he won't do as well as he would have done if he'd gone back to Leeds, if that makes sense. But I still think he could have a big season. Um, I think I, you know, I, I back Brighton this year to to surprise a few and not be down there. I think he'll be a part of that. Um, conversely, I think I think this year Imeric Laporte is going to have a huge year. I think he really. I think City are going to win the title. I think he is going to be a big, big part of it. Um, I think he's definitely going to cement himself as a as a top tier centre back in not just the league but in world football. Uh, following on from that, um, I think Newcastle have done an unbelievable bit of business in a player that I have rated for you know since Christmas last year in signing uh, Jamal Lewis. Uh, yeah. I think I, I don't know why more clubs were. I mean, I know there were the Liverpool rumours. Uh, but I don't know why more mid-table um, clubs weren't in for him. Someone like a Villa. Well, I don't think Villa are mid-table. Um, but, you know, other, other clubs that are in need of a younger left-back. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think he's class. Yeah, he's I really like him. And I think for, from an England perspective, it's, it's disappointing to see him um, feature for Northern Ireland, considering he was born in Luton. Um, yeah, it's, but yeah, yeah, that's my back four. Especially with our lack of ability at the left back position, um, I, I I can't I can't fault you on any of those choices. I have to say, uh, I've I've also got Reese James um, because I feel like I've been hearing about him since the start of last season, and it feels like this year is you know like you say he's the starting right back. This is it for him. This is this is the one. I've got a controversial pick at centre back, but I, I back it up with logic. Um, Kieran Tierney has been playing uh, as the left-sided centre-back in a back three for Arsenal. Um, I think he can perform there at left-back, at left-wing-back. He has so much ability and obviously his start at Arsenal last season was plagued with, he came over not fully fit with an injury and then he had a dislocated shoulder, was out for another few months. But since the restart, he has been in our top three, top three performers. It seems like every single match, he's just a guaranteed uh, good performance. So I'm looking forward to seeing the season that he has. I've also got Joe Gomez and I think you could have argued that you know last season he had his big season and he's now one of the best centre-backs in the league. I think that he still needs to show a bit more and I think that for England 
uh, sake, he he really could. This season could be the year that he becomes the number one choice centre back for England. Because uh, I still think that Maguire is the first name in that defence for England for some reason. Uh, I think Gomez, this is this is his year. And then also on on the on the English theme, I've got Ben Chilwell. I think a move to a big six club. I, I really like. Everyone knows my love for for Ben Chilwell. Uh, I think that in an attacking, counter-attacking team, if you've seen how good he has been for Leicester, this could be a really, really big year for him to prove that he is a top-class left-back and not just Wayne Bridge in disguise, as Felix has so harshly labelled him. Um, Fee, your back line. I just quickly, I I agree with your picks, Ben. But it really rationally annoys me that you went right back, left footed centre back, right foot centre back, left back. I've got really irks me that you've done that. (laughs) I play inverted centre backs, mate. No, I have gotten the right. Can we we re-record you saying that with Joe (laughs) Gomez first and then Kieran Tierney? I don't know why I did that. Right, yeah. Um, I've changed my formation (laughs) to five-two-three. What can I say? I'm flexible, mate. I'm flexible. You don't tie me down. Is that your Tinder um, bio? <laughs> yeah. My Tinder bio is always tie me down. Christ. <laughs> Christ. That's the episode name sorted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so let's start with the right back. Um, Tarek Lamptey in at right back. Right Mate, wing back. I liked what I saw from him. I liked what I saw from him on Monday. I wasn't alone. I appreciate that, but I liked what I saw from him at the back end of last season as well. He was good against us. It is worrying how many good English right-backs there are at the moment. Everyone wants to grow up to be Gary Neville. This is the thing. (laughs) I saw a great tweet, um, which it was just an 11 of English right-backs. Yeah, I I retweeted it. um, uh, I must have seen it because of you, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, Absolutely phenomenal. He's in. I think... think Although the the like you say, Luke, the market for um, becoming established in terms of the national team, if you're English and a right back, is is difficult. Nevertheless, I do think that he could have a stellar year and really stand out and at least be in the conversation when it comes to the Euros next season. Another guy who I think could definitely be in the conversation when you look at the centre backs that are getting picked for England at the moment is someone that you said, uh, Luke Ben White. He was great at Leeds last year. If he can rediscover that form at Brighton, um, and if both he and Lamptey have a good season alongside Dunk, then Brighton could be solid, a solid outfit and they could put themselves in with chances of being called up. Then my other centre-back is another guy who has a chance, if he can have a great year, to be in that... Is it Adam Webster? To be in that England squad. No, it's it's (laughs) not. It's not, actually. It's, uh, It's Rob Holding. And this is why I changed my formation. Because when Ben said Tierney, I thought, Rob Holding, I forgot about him. If he has a great year, which I think he's got in his locker. When he first came in, I thought he was great. And then injuries and not being picked. and But now Arteta seems to really fancy him. And, you know, Arsenal yeah. look a lot more solid under Arteta. And if he can get some confidence back in his game, you know, a real chest-out type of defender... He could be a prospect for England playing in centre-back if, um, you know, Joe Gomez is injured or Gareth Southgate realises Harry Maguire is a fraud. 
Um, I think another thing that really plays into Rob Holding, before you move on, another thing that plays into Rob Holding's hands is that it does seem that Gareth Southgate hasn't given up on that back three formation. And if Rob Holding is going to be circling between a... a, a it looks like it's going to be a back three as the number one choice. But if he does have experience in a back four and a back three, that is going to be something... You know, seeing Connor Cody come into the England squad, it is it is definitely a a, a card to your deck to, to be able to to have that in your locker knowing what to do in a back three yeah yeah and then um, I've got I've got uh, Kurt Zuma in there as well you know I, I said on the last pod I thought Chelsea would be a lot more solid this year if that is true and if I truly believe that which I do that means that Kurt Zuma has to have a good season because I you know from what you say Luke he's going to be the choice when Thiago Silva comes back in the team to play alongside Thiago Silva um, so yeah, he needs to step up because he's been a prospect for what seven years now, <laughs> something like that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's about time he stopped being a prospect and started being a a big player. And then you know, left back. I've got. See, I was confused on Sunday because I thought this guy would play left back, but he actually played right back um, for Leicester. And when Ricky P comes back in the team. I think he's going to move to left back, surely. Yeah. Cas- Castagne. I think, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's going to be my left back yeah. because, you know, he, he's got shoes to fill in Ben Chilwell. He's with the Belgian national team. Looked all right on Sunday. Obviously, West Brom didn't cause too many problems, but he's playing in a good team with other good players in that back line. And he could, you know, Leicester did it last year when they got rid of Maguire. Siunchu came in, was a you know, in the team of the season at the end of the year, could Castagne do the same potentially? Lovely. Um, I'll, I can run through my midfield. Go for it. Lovely stuff. Uh, a, a man that's a man that's come back for for a second crack at the whip. Uh, was was very good in uh, in Project Restart. Hashtag it. Project Restart. Um, Danny Spios. <laughs> Danny Spios. I think might finally fulfil some of the potential that we saw at Real Betis. And I remember, because I'm sad and I don't have many friends, I remember watching him at the uh, the under-21 Euros, um, and he was phenomenal in midfield. I think this was the summer just before he signed for Real Madrid, and I was like, this guy is the f***ing business. He is the bee's knees. Uh, obviously, you know, it's, it's shocking that a young player has gone to Real Madrid and not not quite got the chances he um, he warrants. I don't understand how that's happened. Um, you don't see it very often. The cracks. No, you, you don't. don't see you do it. not. Uh, but I think at Arsenal under under Saint Mikel, um, I think he's going to have a big year um, alongside Granite Jacker as well. Shout out Granite, uh, always hard yeah. done by by football Twitter, but actually yeah. a pretty solid, dependable player, and arguably should be Arsenal captain. Um, but that's a conversation for another day. Alongside him in midfield, um, pinging thirty yard balls um, wherever and whenever he wants is Calvin Phillips, um, who I think almost immediately is better than Declan Rice. Um, having played one Premier League game of football. Um, and then alongside him is obviously the player that I tipped to have a big season um, in the last pod. Um, so I had to put him in this year is Phil Foden. I think he's all, similar to Laporte, but to a lesser extent, is an established Premier League player. And I think this is the year where he kicks on, um, you know, 30 games for City. Hopefully he can get sort of around 15 goals and assists. I think in a, in a City team, that would be a phenomenal year for him. 
Yeah, it's a great. I'm, I, I've, not both, I've... by the way. Not fifteen goals, fifteen assists. <laughs> that would be say. that would be unbelievable. From centre um, mid, that would be quite something. Yeah. Um, I've also got Foden. I've also got Phillips. Um, for pretty much the same reasons as you. Really hope that both of them. Uh, really hope that both of them are going to have a big season because I like I like them a lot. And it, again, it would be really good for England. Um, another player that I do hope plays a bit more football for England and has a big season for my selfish Arsenal reasons. And he has played in a lot of different positions, but I, I liked him the most when he was playing in midfield is Bukoyo Saka. Um, I think that he will eventually end up being a left winger, uh, but that's mainly because of the system that Arsenal play. I really like his ability to turn on the ball. I like a lot about him. And I just think this is the year, obviously a fantastic debut season last year. This is the year where he can cement himself as a starter. This is where he can play a lot of football if he plays his cards right. So yeah, Bukoyo Saka is in there for me. Okay, well, I was going to have Phil Foden, but obviously you two have both said that. And for the reason of, of balance to my 5-2-3, I can't have two cams. So I'll go with a cam that neither of you have said um, in Jack Grealish. Who's obviously signed his, new, signed his new deal? I've tipped Villa to stay up, so I've got to back the horse um, and say that Jack Grealish is going to have a, a stellar year. He's going to be outstanding. Might even get in Team of the Year. Um, he's going to be that good. And then that is that is a big prediction. It's not. An, no, I don't actually think that. I'm just saying. I would have you said put it. Phil Foden said in. It. I would have put Phil Foden in. <laughs> But you two have said that, so I'm I'm being different and saying Jack Grealish. Okay, I like it. I like it. Um, and then Calvin Phillips. I've, I've I know you two have both said that, but for reason of balance, I need a CDM in my five two three. Because <laughs> when I put this on the blog, if I've got two cams, I'm gonna look a bit silly. So, I'll, I'll, uh... Calvin Phillips and Grealish in the midfield might be the least <laughs> sound combination. Stellar years for them two. Unreal ballers. Man United will sign both of them next summer. <laughs> You'd love to see it. Um, speaking of Man United, uh, I've got Greenwood, obviously, because I picked him to have a big season last week, so it'd be a bit weird if I didn't have him in there this uh, week. I've also got Timo Werner, because I obviously said he had a big de- debut season and he looks hot against Brighton until he got a little bit of a, uh, an injury on his knee. And my most definitely, by far, my most controversial pick uh, of the week. I've gone for Nicola Pepe on the left wing uh, because last season obviously didn't quite live up to the hype that a lot had put on him. I think that he's up to speed with things now. Definitely looked better after the restart. And in that fast transitioning Arteta style of play, I think his pace and delivery could be huge. I think that him and Aubameyang are combined for a lot of goals. I mean, we saw William pinging that crossfield pass to Aubameyang. That's the kind of thing that Pepe can actually do. Um, so yeah, Pepe for me. I'm gonna. He's gonna get ten assists. He's gonna get ten assists this season. Sorry, how are Pepe and Saka both gonna have standout years? Or are they both gonna play? I can't, yeah, Pepe. I can't yeah, see Pepe, both of them Pepe, playing. Pepe at the right wing, Saka at left wing back. Simple, <laughs> sorted, mate. Neither of them play. Neither of them feature in Arsenal's best team, though. Uh, it's a matter of opinion. Well, surely it's a matter of Arteta's opinion. It's a matter of my opinion, and I think they're going to have big years. Brilliant. Right, I'll I'll go forwards. I'll go my forwards now. Um, 
King Kai, I think, uh, had a had a sticky debut from an offensive output, but um, when you, when you look at the stats, his running, his work rate, um, you know, were, were exemplary. I think those are the things that you want to start off off well with, and everything else can sort of come into play. I think it was disappointing from a tactical point of view that we, we sort of played a system with a with a number ten, and and Havertz didn't end up playing centrally. Um, such as such as the um, the double edged sword when you're quite a versatile player. I think um, maybe not getting to play in your best position because we do have about four people whose best position is number ten. Uh, but I, I still think he'll have a big year once he comes up to speed tactically um, and and technically. I think um, he'll be he'll be phenom- phenomenal. Um, Richarlison, I think I think this could be it. I think he's been on the cusp of something good for for the last sort of two years. Um, and I think with with Carlo at the helm, Hammers just behind him, DCL with the knockdowns. I don't see how he doesn't perform. No, obviously he could flop. But, um, I think he just he just he's just one of those sort of feels weird to say rare players, but he, in that he's technically very good, but he's also good in the really, really good, good in, in the, the air. air. He works yeah. hard and he's got a little bit of nitty gritty about loves, him. He's got loves fun. to miss an open goal as well, which I, I find very attractive in a forward. Um, yeah. And then lastly, um, I think a man that's going to push the likes of uh, Tammy Abraham, uh, Danny Ings, uh, another Newcastle signing, vital for them this season, Callum yeah. Wilson. Who is, um, he's, just a good, he's just a good striker. He's not a great striker, but I think he'll improve. I think he only got eight league goals last year. I think he'll... He'll come. He'll come close to doubling that this year. Oh, oh, sixteen gold. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Come close to doubling. Come close to okay. doubling. So what does that mean? Thirteen goals. Thirteen to sixteen. Okay. Delightful. If he can make sure that he doesn't have any more of his uh, umpteen number of knee injuries, uh, that'd be that'd be nice. Yes. For um, Felix, yes. bring us home. Take us home. Greenwood, Werner, Pulisic. That's it. That's Simple. the tweet. I like it. <laughs> really wishing I put Pulisic in ahead of Pepe now. <laughs> Do you know what? It is what it is, and I stand by it, and that's what three at the back is all about. If you want to hear more from us, we have a website now. Felix is going to be uh, updating that with a few articles. I might even chip in, dust the old uh, the cobwebs off the fountain pen uh, and see what I can come up with. <laughs> Follow us on three at the back pod uh, on Twitter. Um, and stay safe it's very important in these times to obey the rule of six <laughs> we'll be back uh, in we'll be back when we're back alright that's the schedule that I'm setting out for us at the moment uh, thank you very much to the lovely Luke Bosch for joining me thank you very much uh, for having me Ben and Felix uh, I like I think you'd look good in a Leeds scarf mate so I think you've made the right decision in supporting them alongside Liverpool alongside AFC Telford United no 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 but thank you Ben <laughs> we'll see you next time